Welcome to And With Your Spirit, a homily podcast that takes preaching out of the sanctuary and moves it into your daily life. Let us make ourselves open to the voice of Christ and the movement of the Holy Spirit, that we might be transformed. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. the Lord be with you. Good morning, everyone. We hear in uh, both the first reading and in the gospel reading this weekend what happens when guests come to your door. Uh, In the first case, it seems like a mysterious messenger from God, at least at first. And then in the gospel reading, it's Jesus Christ himself. We need to be prepared for the moments that God tries to come to us and for the times where we have failed to recognize him calling to us in our midst, especially in the midst of temptation. Where we've fallen, let us call to mind our sins. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Jesus entered a village where a woman whose name was Martha welcomed him. She had a sister named Mary, who sat beside the Lord at his feet, listening to him speak. Martha, burdened with much serving, came to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me by myself to do the serving? Tell her to help me. The Lord said to her in reply, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and worried about many things. There is need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better part and will not be taken from her. The Gospel of the Lord. There is need of only one thing. The first reading today from the book of Genesis, chapter 18, is a very interesting little tale. As most places in Scripture, when you pay attention to the details, that's when you get more interested in what actually happened. So let's look at the details. Abraham is sitting by the terebinth, which is a tree of Mamre, which is a place named after someone whose whose name appeared previously in, in the book of Genesis. And he sits at the entrance of his tent when the day is growing hot. And so it's in the middle of the day. He's just sitting in his tent waiting. What's he waiting for? Maybe the sun to go away. Maybe for whatever he's working on to dry, like the next coat of paint. I don't know. He's waiting as the day is going hot. Then looking up, he sees three men standing nearby. Where where do those guys come from? And why are they walking around in the middle of the day? If actually, if you saw someone out walking the loop, like at 2 o'clock in the afternoon this summer, you'd probably think they were crazy, right? You do that in the evening or in the morning. But there they are, three men standing there. So he runs to them to greet them, and he bows down at their feet. What did he see in them? Were they dressed as kings? Was there something deeper than that he could sense? He bows at their feet and says, Sir, sir. That's singular, isn't it? There are three. Why is he saying there's one when there's three? Catholics, do you know that? Trinity, good, good, good. Sir, if I do this favor, come to my house, let me bathe your feet, then you can find rest for yourselves. And they say, very well, we'll come with you. They go back, he goes back, and then he runs around, and now he's busy again, right? He goes to Sarah, and well, because she's the cook, right? Probably best, as most men know. Quick, get three measures of fine flour, three, because there's three guys. They each get their own cake. Get three measures of fine flour, not just the, the junk flour, like top shelf stuff, you know? Get the good flour. Knead it and make rolls. Then he goes out to the herd and he finds a tender choice steer. Not just any animal, not just a chicken, 
He finds an animal that has potential that could be one day the best bull on the farm. Well, no, it's not bull. He's already a steer. But the best large animal. He could make a lot of money on it later. We're going to slaughter it now. We're going to sacrifice it now. It's future for now because something special is happening. He says, servant, go do that. And then he runs, gets curds and milk. And then he grabs the steer when he goes back. He brings it to the three men. He bathes their feet and he listens to them. What do they have to say? They say, where is your wife, Sarah? How do they know her name? He hasn't said it yet. Are they there to see him? Are they there to see her? Where's your wife, Sarah? He says she's in the tent. He doesn't, but they don't go into her, though. And in fact, Abraham had heard previously in another chapter, earlier in Genesis, maybe chapter 14 or 15, he had heard God tell him, your wife will indeed bear a son. But Sarah doesn't know about that. Because when she hears about this prophecy a second time, she laughs because she believes she's too old for a baby. Actually, in fact, the Hebrew word for laughter is Isaac. So what does she name her child? Isaac. Because God got the last laugh. Surely I will return to you this time next year, and Sarah will then have a son. All his hopes are fulfilled. She'll have a son. You know, it's really interesting, this reading. Because how old is Abraham when he's doing all this running around, thinking he's going to have a son? If next year at this time she's going to have a son, that means she's not pregnant yet. Abraham, in chapter 12 of the book of Genesis, is already 99 years old. Now that's a miracle, right? For many reasons. We didn't go into those here at church. That's a miracle. But yet he's attuned to God's voice. He's attuned to God's presence coming near. He's at his tent and he's waiting. What can he teach us? There's need of only one thing. This past week, I wasn't here at the parish or at the House of the Sermon. I was up in northern Michigan at a place called Boyne City. Um, Focus, which is the Fellowship of Catholic University Students, it's a group of missionaries that go to college campuses and help kind of reinvigorate the faith in college kids, and actually who make a lot of converts in the process, not just getting our Catholic kids to stay Catholic, but to actually bring new people into the church. They host uh, what they call summer projects at various locations around the United States. They invite college students from everywhere, even from down here. Two of our students went up there. They invite college students from everywhere to get a summer job at a resort or a campground or a restaurant or wherever they're at. Up in my case, it was at a ski resort that was now being used basically for biking and pools and that kind of stuff in the summertime. They invite the college students up to get a job as an intern working for the resort, and Focus provides them morning and evening opportunities for faith formation. And so they need priests on hand to have mass and a holy hour, to hear confessions and have spiritual direction slots open for the kids. Once a week, these students also get to go off as a group, like 60 college kids together, which, come on, who doesn't love that, right? They go hiking or somewhere, uh, somewhere neat, a shrine maybe, uh, on a day off. And they, they do this for the summertime so they can make a little money with their job, get a resume builder, but also they can, so that they can continue and deepen faith formation. Well, I arrived there to be the chaplain for the week, one of the chaplains for the week. And when I got there, I saw the building and I thought, certainly this can't be where they're staying. Not because it was nice, but because it was an old building, one that was probably previously used in the 
50s, maybe, 60s, uh, to house guests. And I, I doubt they put any money into it since then. And I'm not trying to be too hard. I'm serious. The carpet had ripples and smelled and was stained. You couldn't even tell, I couldn't even tell what color it was supposed to be originally. The doors didn't close all the way. The stove in the kitchen, which there were 130, 120, something like that, students living here at this time. Some of them were international students. Some of them were focused. The stove in the kitchen did not work. And 125 kids had to figure out how to make lunch in two microwaves with five refrigerators and a sink. Um, They were packed in rooms, four to a room. The room may have been 20 feet by 10 or 12 feet. And each one had its own bathroom. But the bathroom and the guest room that we could go use uh, while we were there during the day, the toilet wasn't even solid on the ground, all right? And I'm not a big guy to find that out, right? (laughs) This place was a total dump. (laughs) Actually, on the 4th of July that night, one one of the girl's parents had come to visit to say hello and celebrate a little bit. And when she got there and she was walking around the outside of the building, she was trying to talk to me in a group, but she was like looking out of the corner of her eye at the building behind us. And you could tell, you know, that psycho thriller music that goes off in the background, that wink, wink, wink thing that was going on in her face, right? She couldn't believe where her daughter was staying. This place had nothing. It looked awful. But as I sat down and met with each of these students who were now halfway through their summer, almost every one of them said something along the lines of, we're more than halfway now, Father. And I don't want to leave. I don't want to go home. What I found here, I couldn't find that back home. And I looked at them and I said, did you look around? Are you sure you don't want to go home? Like, I don't know how wealthy or not wealthy your parents are. And they would laugh and they would say, yeah, I know. It's, it's not really a nice place. But what I have here, I can't find back home. I think what they found was one thing. You know, whenever we go off on a vacation or a trip, when we, when we take time to get away for a day, even like going to the lake or something like that, when we take time to get away, we leave behind everything else. Nothing comes with us except for what is essential because we don't want to pack it. And when we go off to those places and we make ourselves available to whatever could be present, we find rest there. And it's not... It's not because the places we go to when we get away are nicer. Sometimes they're worse. But it's in the stripping away of what we have that our eyes can be opened to things that we still need to receive. Abraham is sitting at the edge of his tent and he's just waiting. What's he waiting for? Well, maybe he's wise and he's just waiting for God to show up. Maybe he's been sitting there every day for a lifetime, until he does. And when he does, he says, I'll drop everything. And by the way, so will my wife and my servants. We're going to be attentive to you, your voice, Lord, in our midst. And he hears. And because he's attentive, he hears the thing he's longed for the most his whole life. I want a son, God. My wife wants a son. We want to have our name carry on. We want to have someone to care for us when we get even older than we already are. And because he says, I'll let everything else go, he gets to hear the words of the Lord's messenger saying, 
the desire of your heart will be fulfilled. Jesus makes it just as clear in the gospel too. Martha, Martha, you saw me come to the door, you welcomed me in, but you're worried about many other things. Mary, she wasn't waiting for me when I came, but she dropped what she was doing. She dropped everything, and now she's listening. And what she's done won't be taken from her. Folks, um, I think that we are Martha right now. Jesus is still here. Mary's already there. All we've got to do is drop everything else and go to him.